Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host and or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of the host and or Paranormal Buzz Radio and or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is prohibited. Paranormal Buzz Radio will not be held responsible for you holding your knees, crying and rocking in a corner in a puddle of your own urine, or being beheaded by a group of children in a cornfield. In fact, if you come across a group of children in a cornfield, we promise to make fun of you as you run away screaming in terror. Listener discretion is advised. Paranormal 5 is bringing you Para Peeps New England to help showcase some of the best in the paranormal and unexplained in the area. Their goal? To show the strength of paranormal unity by giving everyone in the field a voice. Join them as they discuss everything from haunted locations, aliens, metaphysical, cryptids, and much, much more. So sit back, enjoy the show, and as always, thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to episode two, season two of Parapeeps New England. My name is Rich. I'm Missy. And we are of Paranormal 5, a Maine-based paranormal family. So, first off, as always, uh, thank you in big part uh, to everyone that came back this season. Uh, Our last episode was the first one of season number two uh, with our guest, Luke Jackson of Maine Paranormal Society. I know, right? So we're super happy to have him on. And thank you to guys who checked that out, gave us some feedback. We appreciate it as always. Uh, And tonight we are going to change it up a little bit. Uh, So tonight uh, my special guest and host is none other than Missy. Uh, We're going to talk to you a little bit ourselves tonight. Uh, We don't have another guest we're going to bring on, but we all knew this episode was going to happen because there is certain someone here that has a certain infatuation with a certain place. Uh, And that place would be Gettysburg. Um, So tonight we were going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the brief history of Gettysburg and the battle uh, that ensued. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, personal experiences, um, some of the well-known experiences, uh, and just give you guys a little bit of the information to a place that we love so much. Uh, even though it's outside of New England, I know we're cheating a little bit here, but I know we've got a branch out though. We you do. know, we do. This is the expansion expansion series. So, uh, so without further ado, uh, what I'm going to do, Missy, is I would like you to tell these beautiful people uh, a little bit about the history of Gettysburg, history of the battle, uh, and just kind of what led to it becoming what it is today. Okay. Well, I think I might be able to handle that. I think so. So June 1863, um, we had just the Union had just been 
beaten terribly in Chancellorsville, which was at the end of May, Virginia. Um, and so the Union and the Confederates started to head north. Um, the Confederates' intention was for a northern advancement, um, one for supplies. Um, they were running very low on supplies. There was a lot of other battles and war, um, battles and um, scrimmages from um, below Virginia, which mm -hmm. I feel like doesn't get as much attention as it should. Right. Um, so um, the unions had pretty much cut off a lot of their lines of supplies. So they were heading north for obviously supplies, but also to kind of gain some more, you know, they thought, thought that they had this war in like the end in sight and it was in right. their hands. I mean, this is after a number of victories in the South yes. over the Union, pushing the Union yeah. back as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. So we had that. And so the Union obviously knew that this was going to be happening. So they kind of kept close to Baltimore, Washington, D.C. Um, as they were making their way back north and the confederate kind of broke up into three kind of big groups so they had groups heading towards harrisburg pennsylvania which is the capital of pennsylvania they had groups um another set of groups um heading um closer a little bit um to car isle car isle i think i'm pronouncing that wrong and i'm sorry if i'm butchering Close. it um, and then they had some like closer to like York, Pennsylvania. So they kind of had their troops scattered throughout um, everywhere. Same thing with the Union. Like it's not like they were all marching together one as one. But um, so we all kind of knew that they were going to cross paths in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, June 28th, um, the Union had just gotten uh, notice that General George Meade was going to be taking commanding of the um, Union Army. There had been a lot of... There were a lot of changeover. There had been a lot of change of... Um, a lot of politics involved. Yes, a lot of politics involved, which is a whole other different story and trying not to kind of go through so many loopholes, like so many... Rabbit holes. Rabbit holes. <laughs> sure. But another thing that's to kind of put in consideration is that, like, yeah, the Union just had this big shakeup with getting a new general in charge of their army, but the Confederate had also just lost, like, their right-hand man, Robert E. Lee's right-hand man, yep. which was Stone um, Thomas Stonewall Jackson. Yep. Um, he was injured in Chandler – excuse me. He was injured in Chancellorsville. Um, and died from uh, pneumonia um, shortly after, yeah. which is, it was... And it, fun fun fact, too, actually shot by one of his own. Yeah, shot by one of his own men yeah. for... Um, it was mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. Yeah, identity. Yeah. It was at night, which is terribly sad. Um, so, but anyways, both teams were kind of shooken at this point. A lot of things were kind of in the... Like, you know, it could have been anyone's game at Gettysburg. It honestly could have been because of there being so many changes and lack of food, malnourishment. And a lot of these troops were also extremely sick. Robert E. Lee, uh, and just a random fun fact, he was fighting dysentery during the entire Battle of Gettysburg. So he was constantly like, you know, he, he really wasn't there. He, you know, he was using the restroom yeah. a lot and on top of a lot of um, minor ah! war attacks. Oh, God. That was, just, that was the sound from the restaurant. <laughs> and utmost respect for that, though. <laughs> but um, he was um, <laughs> having minor heart attacks throughout, like, the whole 
war, but you know, it was really like talked about during this, this time. So July, I mean, excuse me, June 30th, um, there was some troops from, I'm not going to get into like details, but there were troops that came from the South, um, from the Western part of, um, town into Gettysburg and from the Eastern part, some, um, cavalry, um, the Union cavalry had kind of come into play. Um, and they had seen that they had, they noticed that there were Confederate troops sure. and they and knew they that this was, they honestly didn't know. They knew that they were going to cross paths at one point, but it yeah. wasn't like, this is where it's going to happen. Sure. And then literally July 1st opened up with General Buford from the Union Cavalry. And he was completely outnumbered by the Confederate, but they held the ground that day on July 1st on, um, over on McPherson Ridge, um, Seminary Ridge, over in that area. They held the ground for so long. And I think it's something like the first day doesn't get as much attention because I don't, you maybe don't see like the huge big names of people that were there that day are the big, locations and everything like that but um well that and just the size of the second and third day as well yeah exactly you know i really i really do think that too so um pretty much the union retreated back towards town into gettysburg um over towards a culps hill um, cemetery hill on um more of the the time this the area where they were coming in at the Confederates um, were coming in again from the north and um, the west and the south, or the Union was for coming in from the, the south and the east. Mm. Um, and little did they know, but the Union had higher ground. So July 2nd, coming into battle, this is where you hear Little Round Top. This is where you hear the Peach Orchard. You hear um, Cemetery hill in the second day the wheat field um devil's den that this was kind of like the big area there was a lot of um there was a lot of just death like i want to say probably like yeah the the third day was terrible but looking back like hearing like the casualty rates and everything that that second day is just some of these redland i don't know i'll openly admit that i don't know how like the core regiment brigade and how that all breaks down but i do have to recommend um a book that's two books it's um they're both called so you think you know about gettysburg and it's talking about the monuments that are at the actual battle and i've read both of them and it's extremely interesting because they talk about like how many men were in certain corps brigades and sure. regiments and it talks about how many were casualties in the right. Battle of Gettysburg. And some of them were completely just wiped out, wiped out which is something it's just, it's. <clears throat> and if you think too, some of these terrible. smaller areas that were sent, I mean, you're talking. You're talking about towns. You're, you're towns of people, right? Towns I mean, and like cities the, the of men. Of, of, of most ages, um, you know, just all leaving town, leaving the women and children behind and, and then never returning. Yeah. That's just, it, there's so many side stories that I, I feel like, you know, especially from the paranormal side that, I mean, j- We'll get into a little later in this podcast, but um, yeah, that just it's it's crazy to think of just entire towns of people wiped out in, in one day, two days. Yeah. yeah. And then so with July third, the last and final day of the battle, um, you hear a lot about um, 
Culp's Hill again. Culp's Hill was kind of like a part of like all three of the days of the battle, which is kind of like an under, not really spoken about too much location of the battlefield. Um, you also have East Cavalry, um, which is another kind of like little secret spot um, in Gettysburg. And then you also hear of, of course, Pickett's Chart, which yeah. was pretty much when all the second and the first core of Virginia yeah. just walked it across. It was, it was over <laughs> a mile walk. Yeah. To a little over a mile field, field, and they were with just the Union on the high ground on the other side. Yeah, and right. they were just it was slaughter, yeah. slaughter. Um, and so by day four, which there there's also like not talked about, but there were scrimmages still going on within, within the, the pullback, the, the within retreats, the pullback yeah. exactly, and the retreating of the South, um, leaving Gettysburg on July fourth. Um, but um. But at the end of the day, there was 51 casualties, 51,000, excuse me, 51,000 casualties of dead, wounding, and missing um, for both sides, which is just, it's heartbreaking. It's, I think, Mark Nesbitt, which I will probably refer to Mark Nesbitt a few times in this podcast, talked about it. It was, I think in Yankee Stadium, you can fit 52,000. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So yeah. it's just kind of like what you think about, like what you see, like at a base, like yeah. a baseball field or a yeah. big like arena, like that. That's what was yeah. that was yeah. the casualties, like and to kind of put it into perspective that way too. Um. So yeah, that's just like I said, like a very quick chopped history. I will spare you guys a little. Bit. Sure. Yeah. Because again, there there are so many different. I think what's cool, the more you dive into, you know, set aside the paranormal side, um, I think that, you know, the more you look into this battle and the more individual battles that were taking place and the storylines, um, it's just, it's insane. I mean, I, I know a lot of people here may have, and I know we've seen it a million times, but like the movie Gettysburg, I mean, that covers a couple of, you know, major storylines, but then you get into some of these other films and documentaries and it's just, there were so many individual plots going on as yeah. well, like, you know, of heroic plots, of tragedy, of just all, all kinds of things. And it, it paints such a broader picture than, you know, of what some perceive this battle to have been about. You know, when you look at all the smaller battles that were taking place and smaller triumphs and tragedies that took place within the battle. So it's, it's, it's again, you could go on for days and days, but, um, you know, definitely find whatever knowledge you can, you know, anyone who's listening to, to check out more if you haven't. Because uh, there's a lot to be learned, obviously, not only about just our nation's history, but just about individualism and, and just triumph and, and tragedy. And there's just there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of very interesting stories um, that I like. I know that there's probably stories like that from all different types of battle, even going back to the Revolutionary War and stuff like that about, you know, hearing certain soldiers stories and stuff like that. And it's yeah. just, you know, it it's they were people like, you know, I think sometimes like just because history, like over time, sure. we kind of, we forget names yeah. and, you know, we yeah, just we think like, events, exactly. We don't remember the people and hearing certain stories about individually people, individual people, you know, maybe that they're people from your state or, you know, it, I don't even know. It just, it's, it's just really mind blowing. And yeah. it's kind of just it's so, a good remembering. So based off that knowledge, it sounds like you, you kind of like this place. Like just you, you kind of like Gettysburg just a little, a little bit. bit. So uh, that's not something that just developed overnight. So why don't you talk a little bit and I can share maybe some of my input um, afterwards. Because obviously, uh, you know, you far before I ever even knew about, well, I knew about, but just had an interest in it. 
Um, you've been very interested in Gettysburg for a long time for, for a lot of different reasons. So why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about what got you interested in Gettysburg, how it started and where it led to, you know, where you're at today and how you feel about it. Okay. Well, so I guess going like way back to like Unsolved Mystery Days and watching Mark Nesbitt talk about on one of the episodes about, oh my God, you're going to have so much fun playing with these buttons. <laughs> <laughs> so watching Unsolved Mysteries um, and seeing Mark Nesbitt talk about the ghosts of Gettysburg and all of his like stories that he is gotten and collected from people that have had experiences and he wrote eight books i think i might even be wrong with that about called ghost of gettysburg he's yeah. written many other books yeah. um lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that kind of really just was just like, oh my God, that's so cool. And it being so close to family, we... Um, when I was seven years old, we, I think seven, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that time frame, we actually took a day trip um, when we were visiting my grandfather and we did a, the battlefield tour. Um, yeah. Like, you know, we kind of played tourist and I was just blown away and just. What do you, what do you think it, so if you can think back to the first time you went down there, obviously you went down with an interest in the paranormal, but when you first get on the field and you first, like, what's the first thing that hits you? I think it just sadness, like almost just like my heart just sunk. Like, and I don't know if it was. Do you think that was from pre pre learned knowledge or just the, uh, cause again, you're talking what seven, eight years old. Yeah. I think seven, eight years old. Right. Yeah. So maybe not even be able to understand why, but I, I wonder if that's more, just again, was that more of what you had learned about it or just the overall energy, the, the atmosphere of what that place put off? I think it was more I, because obviously I knew that there was a battle that had happened there, but to the extreme of it, like, come on, like I, I right. seven, eight year old, like I don't even expect like our kids to yeah, understand. Exactly. Like when we go like to understand like how major this actually was, yeah. um, and so I don't know. I, I honestly think like, yeah, I knew, but I almost just wondered, I, I almost just think like it, environmentally, like it just, it just hits you. Sure. Like it just hits you and it's just a strange feeling. And after going for over 25 years, I still get hit with that same feeling. And I'm just like, oh, like yeah. this, this just, I don't know how to describe it, but so, I, well, and, and again, uh, not, not to derail it, but I think what's, what's so cool about it is, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to having that place, that home away from home, that, 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 you know, if you're going into a meditation, where do you put yourself? If you, you know, just where you want to escape to when life is crazy, but this offers that in so many different ways. I mean, you, you could know nothing about the battle or the paranormal side of it. 
and just be blown away by the sheer beauty of the landscape. Yes. Um, you know, there's that. There's obviously if you're a history buff and, and you want to dive into the Civil War, I mean, everything you need to know about that particular part of the battle. Just the artwork is there, and the monuments. The artwork, too. the monuments. I mean, I, again, I don't want to butcher the statistic, but I believe it's like the most monuments within such a mile radius in the world. Yes, I think it's in the um, the Guinness Book World Records. Oh, World Records, right, of, of how that. many monuments per, you know, per acreage or whatever they whatever it might be but uh so so there's that um and then, and then of course for any of us paranormal seekers uh i mean you've got everything so um yeah i mean there, there's a lot of different ways that it kind of that can draw you but which again we'll get to more of that a little bit later in the, in the combo but yeah. so so you're seven you're eight years old you get down there for your first time uh and then just kind of take us through yeah after that. i bought mark nesbitt's tape a tape of him telling all of these stories for the kids that are listening a tape was something that you could actually <laughs> it was before cds it was before digital yeah. and then there's probably people and be like you guys say yeah, tapes yeah, are old yeah. we got record players uh, we got eight tracks, tracks. Like, yeah. whatever we get those too but you know so i got a tape of him telling some of the stories of, that he had written that he had been collecting from people and their experiences like i had said um and they said, I just was just drawn to it. So I needed to know more. Like, you know, I, it just kind of, you know, bought books and we continued to go like, you know, day trips turned into a few days staying in location, like at, down there, being able to be there for more than just the day, a few days. Sure. And then, you know, once I got a little bit older, my parents um, actually um, got connected with a paranormal investigator down there. So we went out, I think I was like 13, 14 years old and we're out investigating yeah. the field and like the law, the rules, the national park rules back then are completely different than what they are now. Sure. They're a lot more stricter, which I understand because they're trying to preserve yeah. and protect these monuments. Um, and the land. Right. Um, so I completely understand uh, I feel like we should we should like throw that. that out there a little bit that uh, anybody who might be going down there, um, it, it, you're actually not allowed. I guess it's kind of a gray area, but it, it, investigating on the battlefield is kind of frowned upon. Yes. Um, I and, and we've heard stories that a cause might be because there's you're not allowed to do any type of relicking mm -hmm. at all in the battlefield for anyone who knows doesn't you know going out metal detecting or taking the ground. So when you're walking around with these different tools, these different you know it might come off as potentially looking. Do some relicking. I don't know that it. It's also you know they some people look at it. They don't put up with any bull crap. They don't like, put up with really bull crap. Don't. The you know the the national park forestry member. You know they're they're not uh, really supposed to get into that side. of it. They're supposed to keep it on a historical yeah. basis. So they they you may be lucky and find a park ranger that will talk to you about sure. paranormal experiences, but it is very very few and far yeah. in between that somebody would be willing and able to talk to you. Now that doesn't those. mean that there's not groups that you, you can do it the legal way, of course, mm -hmm. you know, but as far as just getting out there with your cameras and your K2s, um, you know, you just want to make sure you're not doing anything you shouldn't be. Yeah, definitely. Because actually we had friends that got in trouble with right, a K2 right, like, yeah. and stuff like that. So when I've, I've heard that story happen many times before. Yeah. Um, so it's just best just to kind of play it safe and, you know, just, park hours you know and just you know we just do a voice recorder and yeah. pretty much when we're out there within the park hours so but anyways um yeah so back 13 14 years old investigating on the battlefield staying at Saxbridge super late which you were able to do back then um and just doing that and just it continued to grow and just visiting as often as I was able to as a child teenager 
and then now as a mother bringing our kids and actually sure. being able to bring you. So yeah. I brought you, Richie, and our daughter, our oldest, when she was six months old. Yeah. And she's been going there ever since. And I think all of our kids have gone when they were babies because it was a yearly, it was a yearly trip. You yeah, know? It, it really is. And that kind of ties into where I, where I pick up um, as far as, you know, I, I, you know, unfortunately uh, I, as a youth younger, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I never did any kind of traveling and uh, certainly, you know, Gettysburg wasn't on, you know, my thought list of, of things to explore. So, you know, and meeting you and meeting Missy uh, and, and having gone down there again, we, we had gone down the trip with Dylan uh, you know, when she was just a little baby and, um, you know, I just, uh, so up until that point, like my home away from home was always up in the white mountains. Like that's where I always went as a kid, you know, we went out, we stayed, we camped, we hit the falls, uh, you know, we tubed the river, uh, you know, so that was always that place that was so close to my heart. And so, you know, I had gotten the chance to kind of bring Missy up there and, and we had gone to check that out. And it was kind of like on her to be like, well, Hey, let's go, you know, here, here's where I'm in love with. And, you know, it's clearly taken over. Uh, just for both of us, because uh, again, you know, my first experience of going down there is just a you're overwhelmed. Because what's really cool about it is that they they do a great job, uh, a perfect job, in fact, of trying to replicate what the fields would have been during the battle. So as far as like you know, controlling the overgrowth and just keeping it as historically visual as possible. So it's just you're blown away by the visual of it. I think you know one of our first stops was up on top of Little Round Top and you know, just um, looking down over the field. And then, so there's, again, there's the scenic view. And as someone myself who just, I, I, I enjoy taking photos, like there's that side of it, just the sheer, the visual beauty of the place, you know, and then you sit back and you kind of close your eyes and you start to envision what it would have looked like crawling in soldiers and, and what the battles and just, and then you, you try to imagine what it would have sounded like. I mean, just the, the muskets, the cannons, the screaming, the orders, the, everything going off at once. And so that's just so overwhelming. Uh, and then you see all these, these monuments, um, you know, which capture moments. And, and again, what's really cool is they, they try to tie the monuments as, as close as they can based off of the knowledge they have of where the events took place. So certain, you know, uh, individuals, certain brigades, certain corps, like they, they try to keep everything as, uh, you know, historically correct as possible. Um, so there's that, but then there's also the natural monuments. Like, you know, you look at a place like devil's den, <clears throat> You know, and you look at these rocks, um, these rock formations that were there during the battle, and you know that they took ricochets of bullets, and there was people that lost their lives, took their last breath on these rocks. Uh, you know, grown men that it were probably reverted to childhood in their last moments of just wanting to be whatever, you know, and it's just all that energy captured there is just, it's, it's breathtaking. And that's just from that first visual appearance. And it just kind of hits you all at once, and you have to like process it. Like, you can't just, for anyone going down, I wouldn't recommend just going for like, day because i don't think you can process what happened in that day like you need multiple days to really experience you really do, it yeah um you know so so for me there was that um obviously as well as the paranormal side uh you know the first couple trips down there you know for me it was really just spending time in the different places in the battlefields uh here more recently we've got to explore some of the other uh areas uh you know other storylines which we'll talk about a little later um, and so it's just, it's very capturing, you know, and, and it's, it's clearly become, you know, my number one slash one a, as far as getaway places, because it has everything you're looking for on so many different levels, um, in one spot. It's, it's, it's amazing. It is. So thank you. Well, of course. Um, all right. So 
that again, just kind of a brief, you know, what that I just did. We'll talk about some of our more personal experiences um, a little bit later, but I just want you to kind of touch on some of the the known experiences. So I guess these are more of your kind of big bucket commercialized stories that um, that people that are looking to maybe learn a little bit for the first time, what are they going to come across? Okay. So um, some of like the very well-known stories of the battle of Gettysburg paranormal or just stories, in paranormal stories. Me, yes. Paranormal stories. I know. Cause this is technically like a paranormal <laughs> podcast. We it should is, probably it like is. stop boring people with our, well, there's not a single person listening that doesn't won't fully acknowledge the connection between history and the paranormal. So you can't have one without the other. But yes, I guess you can. You can have newer haunts, of course, but... Uh, but there's still history, technically. Yeah, technically, yeah. yeah it is. So, but yeah, anyway. So, but anyway, so some of, like, the big, like, acclaims, haunts um, down there. Um, one story that I feel like is probably one of the most famous stories and probably one of my most... Fa- my most, excuse me, my most favorite would probably have to be at Gettysburg College, which is kind of like a poo-poo. You can't go in there. Obviously, you got to be a student and all this other stuff. But it was in Old Dorm, um, which is a um, building for administration office. And the building was there during the time of the battle. There was, it was, I think it was Pennsylvania College at the time during the Battle of Gettysburg. But it was used like many of the buildings that were there as a hospital. Um, So as time goes by, like I said, um, now it's an admissions office for the um, Gettysburg College. Um, so one night, some administration workers, um, two women were working later at night, um, went to leave, hit the button for the elevator to go down to the first floor to leave. Um, so they hit the button, the elevator keeps going, keeps going all doesn't the way. Stop it doesn't stop at the first floor and it goes all the way down to the basement. They're both kind of just like, you know, what the heck, you know, try to hit the button, you know, just like, oh, it must be acting up again. And so the doors open to a battle scene, a battlefield hospital hospital scene of, you know, the orderlies, the doctors, the surgeons, the the men that are like groaning and moaning in pain that are dying. You see the limbs, the it just brutal. And so the women are just like panicking, like, oh my God, like what is going on? They're frantically hitting the buttons. Nothing's working. It's and literally like time has like stopped. Right. And just to reiterate, these aren't like, you know, as the story goes, these aren't just two, you know, not, not to sound negative. These aren't two, you know, college kids, you know, leaving a dorm party. These, these are administrative workers. Mm-hmm. Like the, these are, you know, they're, they're, they're not just looking for but it gets better. So it gets better. So anyway, so this happened. Um, apparently one of the surgeons looked up from doing the surgery and kind of beckoned them to come in and to help. And as this was happening, the elevator's doors closed, went up to the first floor, they left. Um, they were able to leave and they went and got college campus. College campus came or college campus security, Security, excuse me, came with them back to the place, down to the basement and Everything was, it was normal. So it wasn't like anybody was trying to play a trick or anything like how would have this been able to happen? And so this happened, like, I want to say probably sometime in like the mid eighties, um, just based on Mark Nesbitt's book and when it came out and when he had written his first book, because it's in this first book. Um, so for so many years, like he was looking for somebody that had had this experience happen to them. 
um, looking for like somebody else that it had happened again. Sure, you know, to exactly to kind of exactly not that he didn't misbelieve these women that had this experience, but almost just like you know, has this happened before? And lo and behold, I don't know when, but he had been able to meet two more people that had worked in the building wow. uh, that were working in the building and had that same experience. Um, kind of, like I said, it's, I would love to get into old dorm. Like I said, it, it's a beautiful, the three buildings that were there during the battle of Gettysburg and they're still there today. Like I said, um, they're, they're beautiful, beautiful buildings. Um, a couple other really big, um, well-known stories, um, is a phantom regiment. Um, kind of pops up all over the field. Like you, I've heard of it over. Um, it was a Confederate. Um. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over in, uh, over by Pickett's Charge, um, where um, the Virginia Monument of Robert E. Lee is over on that side on West Confederate Ave. There's been uh, sightings of a regiment just doing what and, they and would do. Like Most noted. There was like a, a group out there, right? That, that was yes, it was actually something. It was, well, uh, so that's another thing. So then there's also been Union confe- uh, Union oh, okay. regiments. Yep. So it's been both Confederate and Union sightings um, that have been seen. Actually, I think it was that Brad Kinsley kin- from the Ghost Lab. I remember like he actually got video footage of it. At one point, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, like yeah. chop the story or anything like that, but he. Um, he had claimed it was, and that was a union regiment, um, or, or union, union, unit, unit, (laughs) (laughs) um, doing that. So I, I don't know. So there's been a lot of that. Um, there's also been a woman of white that's been seen over, um, on East cemetery, um, Hill wandering around there. Also, um, Spangler spring. There's also another woman in white that has been seen in that area. And it's kind of, it kind of there's a lot of mixed stories about it, like what where she came from, her legend. A lot of people believe that it was a woman. Um, her husband had died, and they she came to recover the body, and she never stopped looking for the body. Sure. Um, another one is that a woman had taken her life bef- like before the battle. So I don't know, but there was actually even a ghost story, like with talking like ghost stories claiming like even while soldiers were in battle are uh, oh, on the way to happened. battle too. Yes. Um, the fourth Corps of uh, the union um, were apparently lost or got turned around somewhere. And yeah. they claimed that some man on a, tr- on a horse with a trifold hat marched them into battle. And they believed that it was Washington, George Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, which it makes, I mean, again, if uh, you know, if you're, some of your thoughts in the paranormal are that in order to have an experience, you need to have, something needs to draw energy. I mean, look at the amount of energy being put during that time. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you've got the potential of you know, already having some activity, and then you just supercharge it. You know, yeah. With what's yeah. going on there. No, and other big claims there is hearing the rebel yell, like that infamous, yeah. like 
people have claimed that it is probably the most scariest noise that they've ever heard is hearing like a rebel yell and even like reading claims from union soldiers talking about how petrifying hearing that yell was to them and like what that meant to them like reading just it's how it shook them to their cores and they knew like battle was on and like what they were up against with these with the Confederate soldiers um, and other um, things is cannonball gunfires, sure. strange mists. Um, there's just a lot of different claims, stories, and, you know. I think one of the things you hear in a lot of these stories too, which I think is really cool. So even going back to the, you know, the, the two administrative workers down in the basement uh, and the individual seeing entire groups or regiments of, of, of troops is just, the amount of energy that it must take. I mean, you're, it's one thing to see an apparition, but when you're seeing an entire scene recreated, like it just lends to what's there. It just that, again, I know it's such an overly used word energy, but it's just that it's, it's just electric when you're there. And that's one of the things that I think. Yeah. See, see, you gotta hit the button on that. Come on, we gotta get it. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a static charge when you're there at all times. And again, and that's why I think like, even if you're not into the paranormal, like you can't help but go down there and feel, you know, the hair on your arms stand up and, and goosebumps. And it's just, it's such a charge, an emotional charge. Like we've been there at different times and you talked about, um, you know, your first time being there, feeling that overwhelming sadness. We've also gone down there and talked about feeling an overwhelming amount of peace being at and peace. tranquility and just having complete, just just let it all go, you know, and there's those moments there and there. So it's, it's, again, maybe that varies from person to person, but this place just has the ability to completely take you over in one way or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. God, it's awesome. It really is. Um, So can you think of it? Is there anything else you want to touch on as far as uh, known? I mean, I I know we could get into like, you know, there's obviously the Wade story. There's, yeah, there's there's also, um, yeah, I could definitely do, um, you know, the Jenny Wade story, I guess, um, sure. which was she was the only civilian that was killed during the Battle of Gettysburg. She was killed mm-hmm. on the third day, right? I think the third day of that. Yes, yes I think she was killed on the third day, the, the early morning of the third day. I feel like I'm messing this up and it was the second day. Well, she but was I don't baking remember. for the... Yeah, or she was, she was, she was in the kitchen making bread she was she wasn't at her house she was at her sister um george's house who had just given birth a few days before the battle happened and jenny was back at her house um when the battle kind of let go and started happening and she fled towards the southern part of town which was her sister's house um so she was there with her mother um her brother the neighbor boy her sister and her, her sister's newborn baby um, so she was out in the kitchen um, making bread over the little bread maker, which is so amazing. It's I don't even know how to describe like what it looks like. It's like a barrel that stands up, but it's almost like stands like at like a like at an X. It's very interesting. And as she was kneeling over, she had um, put the kitchen door behind her um, or the door to the bedroom door um, behind yeah, you her. Yeah, the block. front door, and then you had. You know, she was, yeah. uh, you know, she was in the kitchen and then the door that went out into the bedroom, bedroom that door was open. Because she, thought, she well. thought that it was going to protect her because there were stray bullets going and yeah. everything like that throughout the day or that morning. 
um, and she was pierced right in the back and she was bent over and it killed her instantly. Um, and it, it's crazy too, just real quick to add in. So if you go, uh, if, if you hop on over to our, our Facebook page, uh, I believe I, I've, I've put up a photo cause we, we've been to, to the, uh, Jenny Wade house, which is named after her, even though it wasn't her house. Um, and you can, the, the bullet holes, obviously all the house is still original. So you've got the bullet holes and you can actually, I took a picture from where Jenny Wade would have been standing. Uh, and I had the doors lined up and you can actually see the, the picture goes through both bullet holes, both the outside door and then that interior door. So you're actually in that same line. So that kind of gives a little bit more. Of yeah. A, and they a actually feel. still have like the bread, I sure. don't, the, yeah. the thing where she was making the bread. I don't, it was like a bucket. Like I said, it's very, it's a very interesting piece. Um, and they still have that. They actually have the bed frame where her sister was laying. With a bullet, with a bullet in, headboard in the headboard, where yeah. her sister was laying after just giving birth to a baby. Um, so when Confederate soldiers had heard what was going on inside, they came in and helped to bring Jenny's body up through the stairs. Confederate up soldiers, through, Union soldiers, Union soldiers, yeah, Union Union soldiers, soldiers yeah. um, helped carry Jenny's body and get everybody else that was inside to the outside or down around the house, which was kind of like an, which was also made very easy because there was a mortar shell or a cannon shell that had come through the house as well and, and blown out the interior wall that separated the two kind of, I guess you would look at it like today, like a duplex. Yeah. It was a duplex of a house. And so really interesting in the house. Um, so they brought it downstairs to the basement. You're able to do like the, they, the doing the tour of the house is kind of like the same way that you, they they brought her body downstairs. Um, a lot it's a very strange building like it's got a lot of different vibes i do not believe and i feel like many people have also said that that jenny is definitely not the the person that is there residing and haunting this location i didn't really feel her type of of energy it's It's her father yes because the father had left just not to go too deep but he had left for he was in jail actually in eastern state penitentiary that's right that's right and so obviously hearing word of what was going on, I think he was trying to get, I I think it was just the grief of not being there during all this happening. And then him kind of coming back and mourning over that situation and and some of, you know, some of the different shows and and, and stuff that you see where where groups have gone in and they, they definitely get that feel more of the grieving father as opposed to Jenny herself being in the It's home. definitely it's definitely heavy. Upstairs definitely is a lot more interesting, a lot more, you know, more of those like there's something here sure. with us like you're not alone versus like downstairs and even in the basement um well, the it, basement it, just has its own creepy vibe because it's kind of like they have it set up like looking like jenny's underneath the blankets right. over there which she's obviously not but it's really fun <laughs> fact is that jenny wade is the second woman in history to be able to have a fl- constant flying american flag yeah. at her grave Yep. Or at it where she's late to the rest. first woman was the woman that Betty made the Ross, flag, right? Yes. She was she designed the original uh, yes, the flag and Betty then, yeah. Ross. Um and, and real quick, just to, and, and we'll, we'll move on, but just I think what makes it important too about the thought of it, because you know, uh, okay, so why you know this this is such a big event? You know, it was just a civilian, like obviously being the only civilian. But you got to think Gettysburg prior to this battle it was like was a town like, of what, like a thousand, thousand people, I think. a thousand fifteen hundred. Maybe there wasn't. It wasn't it a was very such a small large town. town yes. And then think of just the casualties alone. And so think of dumped on it. Yeah. So I mean, you have fifty-two thousand casualties. Well, dead, wounded, or missing. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Excuse me. 
Uh, but then there was plenty that didn't. So just imagine like your small town of less than 2,000 people is now all of a sudden host to 80,000 people, 100,000, Something that people been. really don't really realize also is that like, yes, after like the battle, like the soldiers that were able to leave, they left with their yeah. with their companies. And then you also had Camp Letterman, which is over on the other side of Gettysburg, which is like closer to um, like East Cavalry, like that battle or that battle during the Gettysburg. Um, but Camp Letterman is the, was the hospital and that was up and running until September. It, yeah. they, everybody kind of had to get shipped out of there because they were getting ready to do um, the Gettysburg Address, which really wasn't supposed to be like a big thing with like Abraham Lincoln, which is like another side like rabbit hole that I could probably dive into, but I won't. Sure. But um, yeah, they had to get that up and cleaned up because they had this event that they wanted to do. The townspeople wanted to make Gettysburg a national cemetery for these soldiers because they didn't have any place to put them. And one thing that was like kind of like a big thing post the battle is that, you know, you had townspeople that were walking around with like handkerchiefs with peppermint oil because of the bodies not being buried correctly and not deep enough. Um, There are a few maps still that you can find where people like where they marked where people were buried or where there were mass graves and seeing it because they, the Confederates, they were just buried where they fell, right. pretty much in a big mass grave. They were buried where they fell. They would mark it on a map. And um, the Southern Women, um, Southern Women Society, they didn't come back to Gettysburg to claim these men for, I want to say it was sometime in like the 1870s oh, is wow. when they came and brought these soldiers yeah. back or what they could what they bring could back. Been. Right, right. Um, but their stories are talking about how men were just shoving men in between dead soldiers in between rocks at the battle um, at Devil's Den and just sure. pushing them down in between the rocks and just leaving them there. Um, it, Gettysburg was literally turned upside down for a good few years, even after the battle. But then they kind of got so many visitors and people coming years just not even few like few years like you had soldiers that would come and give tours like of the battlefield and talk to people it turned into a tourist town very shortly after the battle like and that's what it still is obviously today today, and that's where they thrived and where they've been able to get their economy back up and booming and make it the amazing place that it is today so what do you think i mean i I know we touched a lot about it you know just in talking so far like in your opinion, what from a paranormal standpoint, what makes Gettysburg such an active location? I I, I feel like I've, this could cut probably like multiple different answers for this. Like obviously, I think it's the tragedy that had happened. Like it was so quick, and it happened so like it just happened so fast and mm-hmm. suddenly, and like so many emotions went into this battle like even if the men had survived the battle there were so many emotions that were left and imprinted in that man um and just the expectations like the eyes of the the eyes of america and even the world technically really like when you think about like it had major implements everywhere england was very looking looking very much on this because they were rooting for the south like you know there was a lot of eyes looking at this and hearing that they were getting the Confederates were coming to the north, like this could have, this really could have, it really was the turning point 
of the the war, even though it lasted another two years. Um, but I think it was just because of the, all the emotions that were into it. I also just think that it's also just the land, like it's it's got the, the rocks, like a devil's den, like it's just the water. The, it's got the, the water. It's got. The, just, I don't know. I think a lot of it is that, but it also there's people constantly going there right. and grieving. I think that yeah, are grieving for exactly. these men that are grieving sure. for the lives that were lost, grieving for the people that like, once again, like even if they didn't fight in that, the people that fought in the war, like that didn't even survive the war. Like, Oh my God, like you had to deal with these circumstances, the lack of food, the lack of proper clothing, the, especially for the South, like this was like, you sit in there like rag, like these men, the, the South was tough. They yep. were extremely tough. And oh, the I mean, lack just look of, at some of like the tree, Martin, no shoes. <laughs> just marching in a battle. Of the, some of shoeless, them, yes. And that's like one thing that I do have to say is that people are just like, oh, they came to Gettysburg because of shoes. It, no, not really. Like it literally is a cross road town to get sure. to where they were going to and where they wanted men to go to. It's, there's been a lot of debate about like why Gettysburg well, it was like, like a nice oh, it's set, it's, central hub that you can literally have access like a lot of if you directions. look at a map of Gettysburg sure. and you can see where these roads are going yeah. and where they're leading you to. So um it just yeah, I, I honestly just think it's just because people are constantly going yeah. and grieving and giving thanks to these men that sacrifice their lives to make things better for what they what they thought would be better no, yeah. I, I agree and we've talked about that with other locations too where you know you've got these these locations where you know uh the the you know the jenny wade house or the lizzie borden house or these places where you're, you're trying to go and and talk to one individual but everyone is bringing so much with them that you've now just made all these deposits these energy deposits within this location. I don't even think Gettysburg is necessarily necessarily all paranormal. Like no, no, no. You have I, people. I, I don't think so either. I I think there's just I I look at I look at Gettysburg the way sometimes I look at like you know supposed like I don't know, it's a weird connection like haunted objects where you know I don't I don't necessarily think that it's spirit trapped inside. I just think that there's so much stuff residually on repeat there. There's so much just that sudden loss, that sudden stoppage, and then. Just again, what was the emotion that was poured into it during the battle, after the battle, since the battle, that people that have gone back and that are keeping the stories alive, um, you know, it's just, it's it's too much. And again, the, the fact that you've got, you know, you've got witness trees down there, you've got buildings that, you know, you, you walk around town, you see these brass plaques on all these buildings that were there during the battle. So you've got, you've got things you can look at and touch and feel that were a part of the battle. You've got, again, I go back to Devil's Den, the rocks, you can go and lay on the same rock that countless amounts of soldiers died on, you know, or used as shelter or used as, you know, as something to hide behind while they were reloading their muskets. I mean, there's, you're, you're so, is even though we're, you know, what, 200 something years or hundred something years removed, you can go and be there almost like it was then. And, and you know, again, and again, you've got like, you know, you see the cannons, you see the fences and, um, yeah, I just they say, do a beautiful job of maintaining it do. and keeping it as beautiful as it is. Like they do, they do and, and, I, and I do think there. that you know, and, and again, because again, we're so but we get so focused on the the battle activity as far as from the paranormal. But there was other things that took place too. I mean, like any place else, it's a town, it's an old town. Um, so there, there's could have been just stories in that sense. But I do feel like you get that big sense of the residual activity there. You know, as far as seeing soldiers which you know we'll, we'll wrap up talking about some of our experiences um but you know just soldiers that are still 
that are still in, in play, that are still, you know, taking care of their responsibilities because they didn't have time to process what happened. They were just, they were in this battle and then they were gone. And then they weren't. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of that residual energy left behind too, as far as what makes it and keeps it so active. So um, going from that, I would like to talk about, you know, some of the things that, you know, we've been fortunate enough. I mean, again, you've been down there multiple times, many times. I've been down a handful of times. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough to go on some investigations, um, both some of the, the buildings, the you know, doing some stuff on the fields. Um, so talk about some of the experiences that we've had down there. Um, so one, my my first experience down in Gettysburg was um, when I, me and my mom went out. We were over in the um, wheat field area, and it was during the um, anniversary of the battle. Yep. I don't remember if it was the first, second, or third night that we were out. But we were out driving in that area, and we were there. Like I said, the park rules were different back then. Um, and so we were driving some ungodly hour. And it was July. It's hot. It's miserable down there. It's like, it's yeah. hot as hell. Hot, hot in the summer. Um, so. Which, it, I mean, again, I don't want to go back into the rabbit hole, but just picture again, <laughs> you know, here you are with thousands of casualties around you on probably a 98 degree day. These soldiers are dressed in wool clothing. The Union, uh, the definitely. Union this, is this Confederate was yeah. kind of iffy. And then like a 10-pound bag yeah. on top it's of your the, like 10-pound musket, yeah. your ammunition. But anyways, and lack of water because water was scarce. Right. And top of like having dysentery and other types of sickness and yeah. diseases that you were probably sick with, but you still had to fight. But anyways, um, so we were driving that part of the field, driving up. And then in the middle of the road, there was just this thick white and i mean like in the middle not like on the sides of the road like coming up like over the grass it was smack dab in the middle of the road was this thick dense fog and as we were driving up to it like you know my mom had our high beams on and she's like you know what is that and then as we got closer it literally just disappeared like it didn't go off to one side or the other it literally was just um, another experience is that, um, we've experienced down there is that cold spots, feeling cold spots on really hot days down there is absolutely amazing. It's like a free year condition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Don't go. I still want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't have to talk. Let's just hang out. Um, and also just the smell of tobacco. Um, one time I had mentioned earlier that I was able to investigate with, um, an investigator who's actively and or i'm not sure anymore but actively investigated down there quite a few times and actually brought her psychic um, medium mother-in-law and her mother-in-law kept on talking about tobacco 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 yeah. um and so she unrolled an un uh, unrolled a cigarette and put it on top of one of the monuments which is a big no-no you shouldn't do that but anyways like moving on um she, we came back and this was over in Spangler spring area, walking up to Culp's Hill, that area. Um, we had come back and we were the only people there. Like when we left to go walking, we were the only people there. When we got back, we were still, and there was only like one way out from this area. So we would have seen a car. Sure. Um, but the tobacco was off, off of the monument, which I don't know, take it as you are, but it was very interesting. Um, so, and then another experience is um, when we went down back in 2019, one time that we were able to bring the kids investigating, it was one of Richie's like really big times being able to be there and spend an, a, a good amount of time there, just yeah. not like the day, 
couple hour day yeah, trip or stuff through. like that. Um, we actually saw a full body op- apparition um, while we were at Devil's Den. Um, me and the kids kind of took off from Richie and ditched them. And we were walking um, up because we had parked um, closer to the triangle field, like like you're heading towards the wheat field on that side. And we walked down um, Devil's Den. Um, and so we were getting slowly just, you know, kind of making our way back to the car because it was kind of getting closer to the park hours yeah. closing. And um, me and the kids ran into a couple and they're just like, oh, are you guys here looking for ghosts? And we're just like, ah, funny thing. Yes, actually, we are. And they're just like, well, you need to look across the field. And across the field is a slaughter pen. Um, obviously, given the name for given the name place, for yeah. what happened there. And we saw this kind of bluish, glowish, greenish light figure that would walk so far, kind of do some type of red, like maneuver. Maneuver. Yep. And then it would walk back. And it did it a few times and then it disappeared. And then so Richie finally kind of catches up with us after having his own experience of kind of getting dirt dropped on top yep. of his head when there was nothing that dropped on top of his head and no one above him. Of, right, right. Um, and so he was trying to explain to me what had just happened. And I just like point over to the field and he's seeing Got one this. Up me. I know I went up to him. <laughs> of course, I always have to. And we're just seeing this. And I, I say this all the time when I tell the story. And I'm just like, it was so hard because I didn't know where to look. I didn't know if I needed to look at the kids. Because, like, this is their first big paranormal moment. Like, yeah. you can't top, like, seeing a full body apparition. Oh, not at all. <laughs> and so topping, talking to this couple, they're just like, yeah, you know, like, it's been doing this for a while. We went over there and it wasn't there when they went over there. They couldn't explain it. Yeah. They had seen it at different angles. And... They didn't, they didn't know what it was, but it had been constantly, it's been doing it for a while and it would disappear. And like I said, they went over there yep. and there was nothing over there. And another there. thing that was cool too and they was came that. came back and it was still doing it. So like, we had been there for a while, you know, we had been down in the field there for, you know, a couple hours probably or whatever it was. And so I had been going around taking pictures, you know, when it was still daytime now, you know, just, just, just to take snap photos. Again, I was up, I was up on the rocks at, in Devil's Stand up on the upper, you know, the higher grounds. Um, and then looking down at the slaughter pen, like Missy had talked about. So I, I had gotten a bunch of photos. Well, later that night after having the experience with, you know, myself, Missy, the kids and this other couple that was there telling us about it, seeing everything firsthand, you know, we, we, you know, we're just, you know, I is just incredible at this point. I don't even know how to fathom it, but we get back to the hotel that night and I'm just looking through pictures and sure enough, we had actually captured the same thing in photos from earlier that day when it was still a little bit lighter. So it kind so. of validates the couple's claim right. saying like how they had been like, you know, investigating, trying to figure out like almost they were trying to debunk it. Right. Like and not just necessarily going to with like, yeah, it's definitely sure, like a ghost sure. thing and something over there. So I thought that was extremely interesting. And like, you know, take it as it is. Like, you know, I'm very questionable. I don't always believe photos, but I just think it's amazing that Well, it's a photo that was seen you know, yes, I agree, but the, the fact that we were all able to experience it, it firsthand, visually, and then to back it up with a photo, I think yeah. that, that helped it out a lot. So. 
you know, it was a very interesting so experience. There was that, and then you know, one other. I mean, we've had a couple other ones since, but um, you know, just to kind of wrap up here, another one, you know, probably one of my favorites and and, and most recent, of course, was that uh, you know we were not too long ago, I think back in April, April of this year, twenty twenty one, we were able to go down and we had booked an investigation with the or uh, the um, orphanage, uh, and just a real quick story: the the orphanage was there after the battle. Um, it well, kind the- of. Part of the building. Part of the building was there, was there. prior to. Uh, but the orphanage came about uh, when they had found a um, ambrotype. ambrotype, which are these little, you know, bifold picture frames that the soldiers would carry. And there was a soldier that was found holding Amos, onto one. Amos something. I forget his last yeah. name. He was but... found clenching one of, of his children. And so, like, in memory of that, you know, you had the orphanage, you know, for the, you know, of the children of Gettysburg, you know, for the, that had lost their parents and their fathers. Um, and so, so it, you know, there's a, there, there's a lot of claims that take place there, but there's a lot of child claims to take care of because of it being an orphanage. Uh, I think it was to serve as a school at, at one point too, didn't it? It was in the service like a schoolhouse. I don't remember, but obviously it was an orphanage. It was so an orphanage. They're probably not all they in one. But. We're learning. There. So our idea was, you know, we were down there as a family, you know, let's, what better kind of way to, to go and, and explore a child spirit rather than having children with you. And, and, you know, for, again, for those of you that don't know, our, our kids, uh, you know, they, they're into all of this as well. And, and yeah, they enjoy six, going six, out there. Yeah, six, eight, and 10. They love going out. They love doing EVP sessions. They love using the K2s. Um, so, so we brought them in and it was really cool because, you know, we met with a tour guide. <clears throat> she was super nice. She kind of was just like, you know, whatever you guys want to do, just, you know, I'm just here with you. Let's go and enjoy the night. Um, and so we opened the, the door. Uh, it's, it's, it's two doors. You walk in and there's a long hallway. So we walk in the door and then once we all enter into the hallway, the door, to go into the orphanage swings open. And I just remember like we looked down at the kids and they kind of looked up like, Oh crap. Like we're about to go in here. Like it was, it was just like, come on in. Like it invited us into the building. So, so we went in and, and you know, long story short, like we had a, a great night. We had, um, you know, we were able to, the, the kids, you know, we started out traditionally kind of doing an investigation. And then as the night went on and the kids just kind of more so got, to, um, be got to be kids again, that's when it really seemed to, Thing out. AKA they started fighting and bickering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, but it was made like we, our kids brought like pickup sticks. They brought jacks to kind of play games with the kids. You know, it, I don't know necessarily like when those games came out, but you know, it was the effort that they put into is that this is what they wanted to bring to the investigation and do. Yeah. And so they were playing games and, while we were playing jacks, it was my turn with the ball, and I can't play that game for crap. <laughs> and so my ball rolled off, and so the ball rolls off, um, in one direction. And so Dylan, our daughter, she asked, and she's like, "Oh, do you mind rolling the ball back to me?" And sure as shit, what do you think happened? The ball rolled right yeah. back to her. Not like it was on path; like the ball went up in one direction, like behind me. And Dylan, yeah, she was next to me, but it literally just it just And mind you, in the basement too, we're surrounded by like church pews. Um so you've got all these wooden legs on the ground, plenty of things objecting the way of the path of the ball. Uh and again, it just finds its way like directly back to her, which was just mind blowing out of itself. And we had a lot of hits with the K twos. The cat balls, the cat balls going off, the, the rem pod. pod. It was just it was it's an amazing location. And the kids want to play and they love to talk and we almost just kind of wanted to give them like a play date you know that's kind of how we like we first didn't go in like that but almost just like you know never mind like we know what kids want to do they just want to hang out 
they're curious, they're probably really intimidated by us, but we, it was an amazing, that's probably like my favorite place to, yeah. my newest famous favorite place to awesome. investigate there is definitely there for sure. So, yeah. So again, we just wanted to share a little bit of, uh, you know, what we're going to try to do a little bit throughout the season. Um, just some of our experience that we've had. And obviously Gettysburg has been a huge part of just everything that we've been involved in with paranormal. I feel like it's my go-to. Yeah, like, exactly. I probably got like an experience or a story that I can share. Yeah. That, that, anytime, yeah. anytime, anytime, so. anytime, any place you want to know, yeah. I got you back. <laughs> so, so I think that'll wrap up for us guys tonight. Again, we, we thank you for hanging out with us uh, and we will see you again in two weeks with a new episode of Parapeace New England. And as always guys, thanks for listening and hanging out with us and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks guys.